Hi, welcome to Story Guts. I'm Alice Sly, and I'm Molly Curran. This is where we explore what the stories we tell tell about us. Hi, yeah, yeah, great, got it. All right, I forgot to do this before we started recording, so oh, that's the sound of my Lacroix. <laughs> oh, good, great Foley work. Um, mm-hmm. You had to call out that was Lacroix. Well, I guess it is Lacroix, and not like your average like Target Setzer water with a hint of lime. <laughs> but I mean. I don't know. I'm not going to brag about drinking LaCroix. I feel like it's kind of the most like basic thing that every like white girl does now. Yeah, but in fairness, I've liked sparkling water for a long time. I know. You're you're into it before it became both like... I mean, it's funny because it's both like white... It's like, yes, white girls. But like here, it's like inextricably linked with the tech industry. Like, oh, because, really? Because like every tech company has like... So I was just at a LGBTQ meetup at Unity. And they have like... Um, a f- like a huge like glass fronted fridge filled with like the rainbow of LaCroix so like every single color and there's like and like some of like the nastier ones like coconut LaCroix or like yeah whatever. some of them are real gross I think I had the uh like mango one maybe and it was not good I just to me grapefruit pomplamoose good oh, yeah the pomplamoose <laughs> always good um yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've I've tried the other ones, and it's kind of funny just because I now because some of them are like Jolly Rancher flavors. Like there's the um, there's like the strawberry watermelon, and I'm like um. I don't like the Jolly Rancher. I don't know why I think I would like the. I mean, it reminds me of when you're younger. When I was younger, I don't know if you ever did this, but you're like, oh, what if I like put a Jolly Rancher into this cup of water? Like, will that alchemically transmute it into like delicious juice? No, you just had water and you had a Jolly Rancher stuck to the bottom that you had to, like, pry out with a straw or something. And Oh, God, yeah, I have done that. That's really funny. <laughs> I had forgotten that that exists. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the thing with LaCroix for me is, like, I like water, but I like it to be a little bit exciting, but not too exciting. Like, everybody <laughs> has all these memes about, like, oh, weren't you disappointed when you, like, drank LaCroix and realized it's just, like, you know fizzy flavorless whatever like it's like a joke about how it's like how water tastes when there's a fruit in the other room or something right yeah i'm like yeah that's what i like about it (laughs) it's like i don't want it to be sweet i don't want it to be juicy (laughs) right this is it's a great it's a great option for me when i'm trying to cut cut back on sugar but right all right and uh and it's refreshing right i've given i gave up drinking recently and so now whenever i'm with my friends and they pull out a beer i'm like cool i'm gonna go for my Lacroix. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think we really I think there is a part where like we can see here's the problem with LaCroix is like you can't really you can't really spice it up like there is no like artisanal version of LaCroix because like the whole point of it is that it's it's like zero calories. It's just like a hint of flavor. Like if you spice it up, you just end up with like artificially sweetened drinks Mm -hmm. like you can't you can't get like much more flavor without like actually adding something to it. Like unless it's like you like pop open your like your flavored water and there's like a bay leaf you can chew 
like on the side to like to season it or something or like a, a lemon maybe pour rind. it over some like muddled le- muddled mint okay yeah i guess so i guess you know? i guess that's like wow yeah <laughs> i mean i'm sure but i just drink it plain okay anyway yeah. anyways this is completely unrelated <laughs> um so i hope you called your mom because it's mother's part two <laughs> And Mother's Day is well over. Mother's Day is very well over. If you call her now and say, I'm sorry I forgot to call you Mother's Day, um, either, yeah, your mom will probably be very disappointed. <laughs> I was yeah, listening to I my favorite... I have to put my card in the mail. Wait, you still haven't put your card? Yeah. Oh, well, you can... Well, I guess I guess here's the thing. is like the post office does stamp it with the... With Oh, yeah. She's going to know it's late. I already told her. I'm like, it's late. It's going to be late. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm just not on top of things right now. I have, like, three cards I need to send out. Mm -hmm. So, Mother's Part 2. We wanted to do this because last time we mostly only talked about Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And that was great for me. But there are other fictional mothers out there in the world. Right. Um, Quite a few of them, actually. And some, I guess, not fictional that we might talk about, but, like, pop culture moms. So, do we just want to hop into it, or is there anything we want to say beforehand? Um, I guess I will... I'll go over Fever Dream and talking to myself real fast at the beginning, because they're, like... uh, It's fairly unlikely people have heard of them. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring this up, just because um, Talking to Myself is a book I read recently where... It's uh, from three different uh, perspectives. The the father, who's a like a trucker who's dying of cancer. Um, the son, who's like this excitable six-year-old. And the mother, who's like, ends up kind of having an affair with the oncologist who diagnoses her husband's cancer and like kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of like spearheads. And then I think it's, it's interesting because... Um, one, it's like it's a it's an interesting book. I think if you have extra time to see at the library, definitely like pick it up or something because um, each of the characters have very distinct voices. But I wanted to focus on the mom here because the mom is like I think she's she's struggling with becoming a single mother with with but with also like the way that motherhood like she has this affair and she's cons- thinking about um, what it means to reclaim her sexuality as a mother in this case or like as in this relationship where she's like kind of uh stopped thinking of herself as sexual i think partially also because the um advance of the advance of the cancer has made sex like much more fraught as an event with her husband whereas like with her with the oncologist she's just sort of like it's really intense and great and like you know and he and it's it is also like this like kind of semi-graphic ends up being like a semi-graphic bdsm thing like not that graphic (laughs) but like you're just sort of like this is like really a lot um but it does end up like tying all these things together about like about grief about death um about sexuality about like raising a mother being a mother to a child and like and ultimately at the end when the when the father has died and the and the kid is like, there's this m- passage where the kid's like, yeah, like at school, like I beat up this other kid, and it was like awesome, and, um, and she's like, which kid? And he like tells her who who he beat up, and it's like apparently like the the kind like the the gentlest kid in the class, like the, and she's like, I can't believe, but like, but she doesn't know how to respond because it's like, um, 
she feels like this was like an like something like a father son kind of thing, mm-hmm. and she's not sure how to step between that without like positioning herself antagonistically as like, um, like I'm going like you know without without in- intruding on that relationship which has now become almost sacred because the father is left. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I think Fever Dream is like this kind of. Uh, unsettling thing like unsettling magical realist thing um partially of like examines motherhood and i think examines the monstrousness of motherhood i guess part part of it is because like this part of it involves a mother betraying another mother and like both of them are kind of explicitly like defined by the love of their child um and it it becomes like when like what happens when that crosses each other like what happens when um you know like how can you you can't rank those two even you can't rank uh that kind of like maternal love for your child against someone else's love of their child Mm -hmm. um but you kind of feel like you like you always feel like you can yeah um that's interesting that's actually something that comes up a lot in um hbo's recent miniseries um big little lies uh-huh. which is about, like, these women living in this, like, wealthy Californian community, and uh, this single mom sort of ends up joining the community, and her son is accused of um, her, like, son. They're, they're, all their kids are, like, seven or something, and her son is accused of um, hurting one of the little girls in the class. Uh-huh. And sort of the mother of the little girl and the mother of the little boy um, are very much at odds. And, like, they're both clearly just trying to protect their kids because the, the little boy says he didn't do it and his mom believes him. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it it it's really interesting because I think it can feel easy to sort of villainize whoever's not the character whose side you're on. Um, but ultimately what happens at the end is, like, all these mother characters come together. Um, and it's really, really satisfying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because they sort of recognize that they are all um, working toward, they're all sort of working in sort of love of their children um, and other things, and also like hatred of shitty men. It's a <laughs> uh-huh. great. You should really watch it if you haven't seen it. Okay. Um, sorry, I interrupted you. Did you have more? No, no, that was that was. Okay. I mean, I think that was basically it. I think I just wanted to um, throw throw these these interesting ideas out. I think. Um, yeah, especially as coming off of last week's one, I was before before that before it got too far out of my head. Like these ideas of, um, like we're talking about motherhood as, and especially especially like later on in the episode, it's like motherhood as like complicated and not as one dimensional, or like the mm-hmm. the ways it struggles to not be one dimensional, and the ways that like motherhood can like uh, suck you back into the definition. Like you can. <sighs> When you're a mother and, like, it's it's tempting to get... Or it's hard not to get sucked back into the definition of, like, of a mother. Like, yeah. on Twitter, you see a lot of, like, other people telling you, like, what's good for your child or whatever. Or, like, you shouldn't do that. Like, it's bad for your kid. Or, like, recently, you know, Ireland repealed... The, decriminalized abortion. Woohoo, go Ireland. Yay! Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and I think... It's very the, exciting. No, it is great. I think it's wonderful seeing, like, everyone on my feed kind of 
rally out, like sort of rally out for it. Um, uh, yeah, and I think part of it, it's like motherhood sucks you back into motherhood. And I think part of that, part of being a mother in a lot of like patriarchal culture is like being defined by like how well you care for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and these are kind of examples of like, at least talking to myself, it's like of like trying to reclaim your your personal agency and your personal like definition in a sense of like I am a person. I am you know not my I am not my child's keeper. Like I mean you are, but you know, <laughs> but right. not just yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's reminding me um, of in the the fifth season and mm-hmm. or. The Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin and the character of Essen, right? Yeah. Who is in many ways def- not defined by, but like her motherhood is clearly like very central to who she is. Um, but like she's not a straightforward character. Like we can definitely question her mothering oh, absolutely. choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you also understand the decisions that she makes like within the system that she's in. So like she, um, because she sort of has these powers that, um, she was taught to manage by, um, like through physical abuse, like she was physically Mm -hmm. abused and taught to manage her powers through that abuse when she has children with these powers and she has to hide those powers from everyone else and they need to hide them because it puts them in danger. Like she uses those same tactics to, train her children and like understandably they are resentful of it Mm -hmm. um but in her mind right she's doing what she has to do to keep her children safe yeah absolutely. Um, and and sort of this comes up again and again in multiple situations where she has to like make a hard choice and she makes it because she feels it's the best way to take care of her children and sometimes that means like her children are better hurt than they are um you know enslaved basically mm-hmm. and i think i think the fifth season is a great i i think it's it's such an emotional series because it's like her children resent her for it and like her children see it as abuse and i i'm not sure i can and i, I feel like that's like legitimate of her children to see it but it's also yeah. like wrenching to to view it from both sides, I guess, of, like, this, um, the first book being all about, um, Essen and, like, her, the difficulty of being who she is in the society and how that's imparted upon her, like, the, these viewpoints and, like, getting these other perspectives from her children and just, like, how absent of that structure, I guess, or, like, or within another structure, right, um, that it seems unreasonable, I guess. Um, unreasonable to... Like, the sacrifices seem unreasonable, especially when they impacted you. Right. Um, um, yeah, and we get... A, we get we both get her perspective and we get her daughter's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is really hard. And I think, like, really brilliantly done. And I think the fact that sort of our heroine, if you want to call her that in this series, is a middle-aged mother who you know arguably wasn't a bad i don't i don't i guess i don't want to say she was a bad mom but like you know she's not this ideal of like the perfect mother right um right like even when she's 
self-sacrificing and involves hurting others. Um, yeah. And including her children. And so, like, the fact that that's our heroine of this sort of, like, epic <laughs> fantasy trilogy is really awesome um, and different. But it's, um, you're right, it's, like, really emotional. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's sort of difficult to read in certain places. Yeah, I love it. Still, still recommend it <laughs> so much. I mean, it's very good. Also, um, the third book just won the uh, Nebula. I think the so. Yeah. Hugo. I think the Nebula. Okay. I think Hugo might be another one, but I think either she already has or she's about to like rake t- be the first author to like get a what's it called a trifecta get the yeah. Get I, that I think she is. She just got the she. Oh sweet yeah. Well, it's well trifecta. deserved. It's like it's a oh. wonderful. And I know a lot of people are kind of grumbling about it, but it's like, whatever, like, whatever. It's like, well-deserved. It's a, it's a great series. It, and I'm, I'm all, I'm like the biggest, uh, biggest fan of it. I'm always stumping for it. I mean, it's, it is very good. Do you want to talk about Steven Universe? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I think on the topic of mothers. So, um, I'm going to give you some fair warning and I think, I think this is enough that I, this is going to be annoying because I feel like I'm going to have to go into the show show notes and des- decide when we stop talking about Steven Universe because um, these are going to be some fairly major spoilers up to um, season five. And se- specifically, I'm going to look up the episode. Um, it's episode. called... Uh... Okay, so I think it's uh, season five, episode 18, which is called A Single Pale Rose. Yeah, Single Pale Rose. Um, which um, is so kind of a recent episode that aired that has major information about um the like the current arc has been like what happened to pink diamond so that we find out yeah yeah we find out so okay so just take off your headphones go watch it on your uh i'm not even sure if it's on hulu yet hulu's gotten really weird hulu, about, it's well, not on hulu okay um everything on daily motion is honestly the best site i still know to watch steven universe so yeah. go to daily motion they have all the episodes <laughs> up yeah okay so with those warnings over the head over the way um so in this episode we find out one of the one of the major we find out that steven's mom rose quartz is actually pink diamond what? what? And that's pretty much the the reaction of um of every single character, except for I guess Pearl, who has it like repressed in this very funny and funny visual of like six layers deep repressed. It's like Inception. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely uh, Inception. And so, before we get into all that, though, I, I kind of do want to just sort of like establish what I guess. For anybody who's listening who hasn't watched or doesn't plan on watching Steven Universe, like, explaining what it is. Okay, fair. Yep. So, Steven Universe is about this boy named Steven Universe. That's his name. His real uh-huh. name. Uh, he is a... He is half crystal gem and half human. What this means is that his mother was sort of this alien species. They look like women. Um slightly odd-looking women, uh-huh. uh, and they are known as sort of gems. They they literally have these, like, gems stuck in their bodies, um, and they're all co- sort of named after the various gems that they are. So there's, you know, rose quartz, there's pearl, amethyst, etc. So Stephen is half that and half human. He lives on Earth. Um, his mother, rose quartz, um, 
in order to give birth to him, had to give up her gem to him, Mm -hmm. which means that she had to stop existing. Um, She's... She's dead, but she's not. It's very confusing. Right. It's this. The show never really gets into it, but like for for the purposes, it's, it's it is confusing because it's like. Um, but for the purpose of the show, basically, she died to give birth to Stephen. Is kind right. of like the way the way all the characters understand it. Right. Um, and so Stephen is basically being raised by the um, three gems who were. Uh, Rose Quartz's sort of closest allies and like best friends, Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet. Um, so, and they're all, again, they're sort of alien. <laughs> they have been on Earth for a long time. Um, in Amethyst's case, she was always on Earth. Um, but they don't really know how humans work mm-hmm. um, or human children. And so, like, a lot of. <laughs> what the show is about is sort of them them sort of taking care of and loving this boy who is sort of like them and also very very different from them yeah um and they all kind of take on this different kinds of mothering roles um with sort of pearl being the very very sort of worried um the the anxious mom the helicopter mom yes um incredibly protective um and she's sort of got a complicated relationship to the whole situation because she was also in love with Rose Quartz. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the woman that she loved had to die for Steven to exist. And so she, also, like... Also, she, like, got into a monogamous relationship with Steven's dad, which yeah. is... So she... she After, there's, like, there's thousands a... of years of... Right, of loyal service. Uh, so, yeah, so so... Pearl has very mixed feelings about the the events leading to Stephen's existence. <laughs> um, she right. is not a huge fan to begin with of uh, Stephen's dad because mm-hmm. he like you know in her eyes like stole her girlfriend stole her girlfriend yeah um, but she loves Stephen um, and really will do anything to protect him. Uh, Garnet is kind of the the cool chill mom. She's the the cool chill mom. She's That's like right. the the leader of the group. She's kind of more wise about things, um, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot more like emotionally well than Pearl, for instance. Right? Or yeah. She she seems a lot more. She is a lot more emotionally stable and is kind of like the rock of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Like, yeah. Okay. I... Um. And then Amethyst is. She's kind of like a mom sometimes, but I think she's more like a sister in a lot yeah. of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, to still relatively new, uh, relatively young compared to the other two gems, and I I do think like it is kind of more of an older sister kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Like also like more immature. Like she teaches him stuff too, but like isn't as isn't really concerned about consequences. I right. Like she she can go into like protective mom mode sometimes but like really i think like they're they're a lot more um and we get a lot of this of steven and amethyst really seeing that they have a lot in common because they're both relatively young and um different like they aren't they aren't sort of these ideal gems for various reasons um Mm -hmm. 
and so I think that also makes sense. There's this thing called fusion, which basically just means like two two gems can like mash up together into one jet into one sort of larger body, one larger body. Um, <laughs> right. And the first, actually, I think so far the only of the the three crystal gem main ones that Stephen fuses with is amethyst, um, which makes sense because it just feels like it would have been weirder to like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fuse with I- your your mom as opposed to your sister <laughs> i don't know right i mean i guess i guess fusion is as as a metaphor is uh in the show has always been the metaphor for like a strong relationship and then it's when very you, intimate it's it's an intimate uh yeah it's it's an intimate relationship is a strong and then some i don't know i mean i'm not i'm not sure like i i feel like i'm always tempted to try to draw real world parallels like obviously it's supposed to be parallel to like uh an intimate relationship between like um two people or marriage or whatever but it's also like and aliens are aliens are doing it so like yeah so it's like it is sometimes like a a romantic thing or a sexual thing i guess um but it's also other things as well anyway Mm. that doesn't really matter for the purposes of this um, oh right, yeah. <laughs> we're getting we're getting ahead. Yeah, sorry, that's us getting. So anyway, basically, Stephen, human, half human, his 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 uh, sort of his moms who are raising him in lieu of his birth mother, mm-hmm. um, and then he sort of goes around and continues to adopt, uh, other like people. other other crystal gems to be his like more of his family basically right like, yeah yeah not not really yeah I not really his moms more sisters kind of yeah just like adoptive this expansive adoptive family um but i think one of, one of the things that kind of starts up um that kind of continues as a thread is steven trying to live up to the legacy that his mom has left him so his right. mom was um from what we understood since the beginning his mom basically led a revolution against the diamonds, which are these, like, uh, autocratic rulers of the gem worlds, um, led a successful revolution. They were trying to, like, take over Earth. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the, the gems, the home worlds were trying to, like, take over Earth. His mom defeated them, and then, like, sometime afterwards, like, sacrificed herself to be him. And I think um, there's always kind of a struggle to live up to the shadow of your parents, but I think doubly so because here, like, um, it's it's kind of complicated for Stephen because his mom chose to die to... It's, it's sort of like, am I, like, would my mother be happy with a sacrifice, with a form her sacrifice has taken, kind of? Like, has she, like, you know, and I think it's doubly difficult when you can't ask her that question, when you have to sort of just live up to the fact that your mother died in childbirth to use that... Um, to use, like, these human terms, um, and knowingly made that choice and just sort of, like, am I living up to her legacy? Especially when you're surrounded by people who, like... And, like, doing that while surrounded by people who knew her and who knew what she had done for them Mm -hmm. and, like, trying to live up to that, like, when you're yourself. And, um, And, like, extra complicated by the fact that, like, you have these, like, supernatural gem powers, um that are supposed to reflect who you are as a person, uh, who, like, your utility as, like, um, a member of the team and, like, not knowing how to make use of that in relation to um, the people your mother has, like, worked alongside of, fought alongside of, but, like, 
now you're more of a liability than like a leader. A, a leader. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Rose Rose was the leader of this group and they all adored her and now Steven is there and Steven is I mean, he's a little boy, so he's he's not the leader. Like, <laughs> right. He's he's learning. He's an um I mean, and he's come a long way now, but like, you know, at the beginning he really doesn't he doesn't know how to get his weapon, he doesn't know how to um like do a lot of things and he has to be trained um when yeah like like i said his his mom was sort of the leader the best uh, like yeah there's a giant portrait of her in the like right inside their house like a giant portrait of her that hangs up just like smiling benevolently down at them right you can sort of think of it i like whenever i see it um it's like it's extremely visible from like the the living room area and it, it reminds me a lot of, like, the benign, like, Mary Magdalene, like, no, sorry, not, not Mary, the, the benign Mary Mother of Jesus kind of things you can see sometimes in houses, just sort of, like, judging <laughs> you. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, as the show's progressed, like, we've learned bits and pieces. So we're kind of seeing things mostly from Stephen's point of view, so we don't really know that much about Rose. Um, and we've learned things about her as the show goes on you know like mm-hmm. we hear things from pearl about her um we hear things from garnet and amethyst we hear things from uh steven's father greg um and we sort of are introduced to these like spaces and secrets that she had like her weird ass bedroom where if you go oh, into right. it like her reality starts shifting and it's really upsetting every time <laughs> so why he keeps going in there um, right but yeah, so it's it's a lot of it has been Stephen kind of learning who his mother is and learning that she isn't as perfect as you know he initially he thought, believed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at times, you know, coming to to really question some of the things that she's done and the decisions she's made, and like really grappling with whether he whether she's the person that he's always thought he was. She was. And like whether she's a person that he wants to be wants to become, right? Basically, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, you go. Okay. No, I mean, I, yeah. I think I think this is really. I think this is really interesting, just because. The way that the show casts it is a very honest and I think complicated look at legacy, and I think, uh, and even for like people with living parents i suppose um i think there there is uh i mean there's this phrase that you know that gets thrown around sometimes where it's like sons become their fathers and like daughters become their mothers or or, have you heard this molly like yeah like various like maybe like a different yeah wait if you date someone look at their mom like if you date uh, a woman look at their mother because that's like who you'll have to like live with Oh, boy. Whatever. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I feel like, one, I feel like, look, don't put so much pressure. Like, like, come on. Just, like, lay uh. off. Like, lay off. You don't know me. <laughs> um, but I think I think we, we look at, we look at Steven, I think we look at the process. It's a very, Steven Universe is a very frank process of growing up. And, you know, the realization that your parents aren't infallible. It, like your parents are not infallible um, beings. And to, to just, like, honestly start to 
grapple with like their decisions for you or their this how their decisions have affected the world around you now it's not a perfect metaphor by any means like yeah. it's not a perfect metaphor your parents have not led a successful revolution leaving right, you their don't comrades. have to answer for like the intergalactic crimes of your parents probably right right yeah you don't have to worry about like their war like you know basically the in in steven universe uh rose quartz his mom won the revolution by shattering pink diamond shattering being like this very final like it means killing. killing it's killing and like um, gems are really hard to kill you can only kill them by shattering them and it happens very rarely right so so this is something that he comes back to is like if my mom was so great how did she like kill how did she like why did she kill this person then like if my mom was so much about like uh friendship and like being together like togetherness and friendship and whatever then like how did she come to this conclusion to like kill someone Mm -hmm. um and i think that's and you know do i have it in me to kill someone too i think which is like one of the major where like bismuth shows up and that's like one of the major moral quandaries that steven has to grapple with too right yeah so there's a character he learns that um his mother (laughs) secretly basically like hid away and pretended that she had gone missing or died um because she had wanted to start uh killing like shattering gems and rose had disagreed with this um and so when this character steven discovers her she comes back um and steven has to both grapple with the fact that like rose told this huge lie to Mm -hmm. everyone she knew and to decide like okay but do i give bismuth a chance when she wants to shatter gems and right and like kill people and like does that make me a hypocrite if you know like you know and there's like you know if my mom whatever but but now but and that was like a big yeah and it's like my mom like actively told all these lies to people and like whatever and then now at the at this like final finale we find out that his mom was like actually pink diamond yeah, so the the shattering of Pink Diamond was staged um, to allow Pink Diamond to live forever as Rose Quartz, I guess. Yeah, um, and change they're able to change forms like shapeshift. Right. So it seems like that was so. So that final that final event was you know we we get the impression that Pink Diamond thought that staging her shattering would like cause the other diamonds to like. Ab- not you know not interfere with earth anymore but instead the other diamonds like staged this like final destructive blast that like killed everyone shattered everyone on earth minus like the steven's moms um right or something like that yeah i mean like yeah like basically everyone who was allied with rose quartz dies except for like the main sort of group of people yeah so Um, and this is this is kind of where the show has left us with like with not only Steven just finding out that his entire existence is a lie, um, but also like her two closest comrades as well, like Pearl, like Amethyst and Garnet, also finding this out. Right. Um, yeah. So I think, the only person who knew this was Pearl, and Pearl had it deeply repressed. Right. Like Pearl, it required like some very interesting plot device for re- involving a cell phone to to retrieve but yeah and i think i think i mean i think it's it's interesting that steven universe 
for someone who doesn't have a voice, I guess. For someone who's like the like, I think it's easy to have. It's easy to have dead moms. Like in mm-hmm. a lot of stories, there's like an orphans or or a, you know people without mothers who like mm-hmm. find surrogate mothers, and I think that's something that you see in Steven Universe at first. You're like, okay, like a tragic dead mom story, and like these are like these like you know found family or whatever. But what we see in Steven Universe is this. Um, willingness to kind of go back and just say like kind of just because she's dead doesn't let her off the hook <laughs> which is kind of kind of you know intense but uh but like just because she's dead doesn't like even if you're dead it doesn't mean that people don't have to deal with your shit yeah. <laughs> or something well and i also think like even though she's dead steven deserves to know more about her than this like you know perfect portrait version you know Mm. where she's just like kind and beautiful and saves the world and sacrifices everything like steven deserves to know who she really is right um and and it's weird now because as viewers right we look back at all the things we've learned about the diamonds and pink diamond was pink diamond the one who had the human zoo (laughs) yes yeah you're right so like Rose had a human zoo. (laughs) And it makes so much sense. Like, that actually makes total sense with what we know about Rose. Right, Um, yeah. Right? Like, her her sort of, like, on-again, off-again fascination with humans. um, Basically up until she, like, actually falls in love for real with one of them. Right. And I think think what's interesting, and sorry, this is now the Steven Universe power hour, but what's, what's great about this is how... This makes uh, because I feel I feel like in this recent episodes we kind of got the very strong implication that uh, Blue Diamond and Yellow Diamond were like mothers to Rose, Ro- like Pink Diamond. I don't know. I'm not because sure. No- Here's the thing, though, because you remember when Stephen had that, uh, or maybe Stevani had that like vision of like um, Connie's mom, like you know he he yeah, had that yeah, weird yeah, vision yeah. where it's like Connie's mom as was a Yellow Diamond, yeah, and. And he was Pink Diamond in that scenario. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there and there and you know that the size differential definitely was like yeah, inter- and like definitely yeah. And I I feel like there's there's this kind of interesting implication that's like not confirmed yet, but like that Blue Diamond and Yellow Diamond had some kind of role in like either creating or at least raising Pink Diamond. Right? They're like, oh, we gave you like your own planet and everything. Like, stop, stop being a spoiled brat. <laughs> Um, so, anyways, so, I don't, so that's, like, another, whole nother thing, is to show up and be like, actually, I'm Pink Diamond-ish. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure they will love as a revelation, as, (laughs) as, as another thing to deal with. But, yep. So, yeah, that's, that's Steven Universe. Um, lots of moms. Lots of moms, yeah. I uh, I think yeah, lots of moms. Still recommended, I think. I think it's Oh, I definitely recommend it. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's a really great show. And I think like the the lore just keeps getting more and more interesting. Yeah. And um, maybe maybe avoid apparently the fandom can get a little rabid. Oh yeah, yeah. Stay, so I mean steer any, clear of the fandom. Any fandom that is primarily adults getting really intense about stuff that ultimately is for children it's just no good it's just no good 
speaking of which, let's let's talk about Harry Potter for a second. Okay, yeah, let's let's. Okay, um, so I just was thinking, as you were saying, you know, it's really easy to sort of just kill off the mom, and now you've got your sort of like orphan hero. Um, and so I was thinking about Harry Potter, of course, um, and then Harry Potter's own sort of surrogate mother figure mm-hmm. or figures. I don't know if you if you would say there's anyone other than Mrs. Weasley, but um, yeah, like, probably not like. Yeah, like, go on. I guess you could say, like, Petunia as a failed one. Well, yeah, yeah, not an as a successful mom failed. figure. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, like, various... He, he gets, like, various professors who act in certain, like, paternal roles. But weirdly, like, the mother role gets filled like that. Like, yeah. he meets Mrs. Weasley. Cool, Mrs. Weasley is now his mom. Yeah, basically. Uh, very, very explicitly, just like, you're my mom now. And, like, why can't I hang out with my real mom? My right. cool Right, it's like, mom. this is my real mom. These are my real siblings slash the girl I'm going to marry. What, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's very convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's like... I mean, ultimately, like, Harry had to marry Ginny because Harry had to join the Weasley family officially. Oh, yeah, fair. Right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's, um, a, that's a great point. Like, that's just, like, what That's, the, that's the narratively was, how it works. Yeah, narratively. Yeah. Like, um, but I, I think Mrs. Weasley is a very, I don't even know if it's an interesting example of a mother, but I feel like she's a very sort of, like... <sighs> I, I ideal kind of mm-hmm. mom. like she's a very like she's like the warm plump friendly loving but still strong uh kind of no nonsense yeah right fictional yeah. mom like she's just sort of all the things that we like want from a fictional mom all just kind of like shoved into one person mm-hmm. um who of course of course will instantly take in harry as one of her own mm-hmm um, who like recognizes the goodness and like and the the, the wretchedness yeah. of Harry's situation. Yeah, when his... no one else has. Um I mean and it's like hard not to you know, love Mrs. Weasley for that. Um But I do I don't know, like I guess I'm wondering now as I think about it, like is it too is it too easy or is it too I guess I I don't know. There's like something to me as I think about it and think about like Harry's sort of succession of difficult paternal figures throughout the series, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's got Dumbledore. He's got Sirius. He's arguably got, like, you know, Remus Lupin. Like, there are various professors that he sort of, like, try to act in this paternal way to him. Um, and women just, like, his his relationship with his mother has always seemed so much simpler like even you know when he learns things about james it's like oh right, god yeah. it's so complicated and he's like oh my mom was great yeah yeah when he learns about james and he he has that like crisis of confidence like wow my my dad was like kind of a jerk and then i i don't i actually do not remember how that's ironed over except like snape was a bigger jerk or something whatever i mean like, basically like uh Sirius and remus are like yeah he was a jerk like we all were we were like 15 uh he got better <laughs> Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, Lily does not have a similar... Yeah, like, the the worst thing about Lily is that she was really nice to Snape. Like, yeah. until Snape got, like, really creepy. Um, or whatever. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a great question, is, like, do... In a story that's so... 
much about Harry's search for like a family, is it interesting that we don't see we Mrs. Weasley, Molly Weasley, have any reservations? I guess or like right, or even be like somebody who like there are reasons Dumbledore is in not ideal father figure there are reasons Sirius Black is not an ideal father figure um so but like really in every way Mrs. Weasley is an ideal mother figure um and maybe this is just going back to our sort of like inability to imagine the bad mom or whatever um Mm -hmm. because like the books are so much about mother's love right like yeah Lily's love is what protects Harry um you know like even right draco malfoy is protected ultimately by his mother's love narcissa malfoy um like that the the concept of um a a tainted mom or like or basically like and maybe not not even tainted because i think tainted is a too too strong word but like a mother with reservations because or or like a mother who's you're right, like, complicated. Because something that kind of is interesting about Molly Weasley is that, like, for example, her family's always sort of... It's it's well known that, like, her family has less money than, mm-hmm. like, everyone else. But, like, that's never an issue, I guess, with taking Harry on. Well, I mean, I guess food is never an issue. Like, they're never shown as, like, struggling to feed their family. Yeah, so it's, it's, not, it's like, like, books and clothes and stuff. Um, yeah, which, which Harry, like... Harry buys for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It It is really, I don't know. I don't know what to say exactly, except like, I just feel like Harry Potter, I love Harry Potter, but I, I find things disappointing about it's the sort of lack <laughs> of real, like real deep complexity in some of its, yeah. uh, some of its women. That I think, I think could could have been there. Um, yeah. And maybe we get glimpses of it. Like, I do think it's really interesting that, like, Molly Weasley straight up murders somebody in the last <laughs> book. Like, she mm-hmm. does that. Um, and, you know, and she's she's not, she is, she's very suspicious of Sirius Black and continues to be and thinks that he's a bad influence. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, I think that is interesting because that sort of puts the mother figure and the father figure kind of in conflict yeah but but i think um yeah i mean i think i think you're right where it it does come down to like maybe the the possibly over overblown like christian influences of harry potter of like maybe of like of this mother as like um this perfect yeah of this perfect mother figure or like you know maybe the the way it's written jk rowling just sort of had like we have x number of difficult figures and like (laughs) the most difficult molly will be will be like kind of really harsh on her children occasionally or like but i mean and and uh i guess also worth considering is the fact that like the villain of the series right exists because of bad mothering (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i think What's, like, what's as Tom a Riddle, line? he's the child of, like, a witch who uh, magically forced a dude to have sex with her, mm-hmm. and then she got pregnant and 
gave up the baby is that what happened yeah she well, or, or she something because he shows up at, in it yeah right. she like thing. failed to mother the child in some way or another and like no one took him in and mm-hmm. and now he's evil right yeah and and like the parallels to harry yeah no i i definitely agree like the the underpinnings in her work of like rowling's work of moms mm-hmm. i think and mothers i think is really interesting um because like it's all through the harry potter series like you said like tom riddles aka voldemort um and like let's just hold on like let's just like leaving aside this like weird society where using a love potion to like coerce someone into having sex and marrying you is apparently extremely rare um because we all know why you is and I, this, like why is love okay yeah. Like, you and I, and, like, apparently you can just sell love potions without a license in your your joke shop. Like, let's, okay, like, let's not, we're not going to get into it because we could be here for another hour. Yeah. Just, like, yelling about this because Wizard Society, like, even if Wizard Society was less, you know, sexist than regular society, which there is no indication of in the books, um, <laughs> like... Just at, like okay, all right, okay. So why aren't there like four thousand Voldemorts running around? You know, and also leaving aside this like problematic like you know like a child without mother, like a child born of rape is a or child, a motherless love. child is. You can be a motherless child, but only if your mother dies, sacrificing herself for you, casting her spell of love upon you for the rest right. of your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so I think, so I think this does like. There's something maybe not specifically about mothers, but about like love that like is like the purest form is like maternal, the pure uncut love stuff is mom love. Yeah, I think that's um, right. I think I, I think that's right. And you know, maybe like, not to be reductive, but J.K. Rowling is a mother. She was a single mother at the time of writing these books, I believe. Uh, you know. Maybe she was just like, yeah, mom's love. It's important shit. Mm -hmm. But from a storytelling perspective, uh, it's not always the most interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think think it would have been... It certainly would have been interesting uh, to have Harry similarly confront, like, issues with... I mean, similarly confront, like, Lily was not, like, uh, was not perfect either. Um... But I suppose, like, when the entire, like, the whole premise of it, I think it's maybe Rowling or, like, maybe the story didn't want to, like, get into this idea of, like, oh, so Harry's protected by his mother's love and, like, and, like, was that love complicated in any way? It's like, no, it wasn't. Right. I mean, it's sort of that, uh, that sort of facetious post that goes around Tumblr every now and then that's like, why didn't, you know... Lily Potter, she got pregnant in the middle of a war. She's, like, 20 years old. Why wouldn't she just get an abortion? And it's like, well, sure. But also, like, because that isn't the world that J.K. Rowling lives in. She doesn't live in the world where the, like, mother who dies for her child gets the abortion. Which I think <laughs> is... I wrote a fan fiction once where I had I had Lily get an abortion once before she has Harry. Just uh-huh. because it always annoys me that, like... Right, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just want to be like, like, she would get an abortion. She just didn't that 
And right, it, yeah. I mean, and, like, lots of people, like, make that decision to, like, not get abortions or whatever. Right. Like, um, but, like, is there abortion it just feels like Harry it's, like, Potter a thing world? that in Harry Potter, in, in the world of Harry Potter, in this perfect mother's love, like, that can't exist as a possibility um, mm-hmm. for J.K. Rowling. I mean, I don't know. It's I know I, I shouldn't expect, like, abortion to be in children's books, but it's more like the idea of just this, again, the perfect mother's love being the purest form of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that is kind of fundamental to what the, the series is doing. Mm-hmm. I guess we never yeah. mentioned McGonagall. McGonagall is like kind of a mom figure to Harry sometimes, or well, maybe like a grandma, <laughs> aunt. I, I don't yeah, know. I would say I would say that she's she's definitely the cool lesbian great aunt or whatever. Yeah. Like kind of kind of that that position. Um, who loves sports? Uh, I, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel I feel like. Um, we don't get enough of McGonagall because, like, she, she, yeah, she exists to like kick ass and take names and like be very stern, but like not super stern when appropriate, right? Like, I don't, I'm not sure there's too much to say about McGonagall. Yeah. Um, you know, if we, you know, all loved her and all like audibly gasped when she like it seemed like she died in like book six, seven or, or six, six, seven. Whichever one. I think it was six, because it was, like, while Harry was taking his, like, astrology final or whatever, right? He was outside with, like, the telescopes, and then, like, a bunch of Death Eaters run out and, like, stupefy McGonagall. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I I just remember the so many exact details. Uh, Okay, do we want to, do we want any other moms to talk about? I do, Um, I, I think, like... I would love to, and I don't mind if it goes a little long, but I would love to both talk about Ali Wong and Bojack Horseman because I think both of, them, or at least Ali Wong, definitely ties into some some of the stuff we've said earlier about like resisting mm-hmm. motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a label, yeah. So Ali Wong, she's a stand-up comedian. She's got two specials on Netflix. Um, the latest one is called Hard Knock Wife. The first one's called Baby Cobra, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and I don't remember the first one very well, but I remember the, I just watched the latest one. Um, and so Ali Wong, she is in both stand-up specials. She is very, very pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. The second one she gives it's after her the birth of her first child, um, and she talks a lot about motherhood. And she talks a lot about motherhood and sort of the process of childbirth. In very, very raw ways. Um, <laughs> very graphic. Yes. Very, details. very graphic detail. You learn a lot about childbirth <laughs> if you didn't know. Um, and, and like, the, perhaps the, the never damage wanted it may to. wreak. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was like, perhaps never wanted to. It's yeah. Not, it is not for the weak. You're right. No. Um,. But she also talks about, um, you know, how difficult it is being a parent and, like, being a mom and the, you know, exhaustion of it. Um, She has this Mm. great joke that's, like, um, moms love sparkle because they have to um, make up for the light inside of them that has died. (laughs) 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 Um, And I don't know. There's just something, like, really... 
interesting and exciting and and funny about seeing you know a visibly pregnant woman talking about motherhood asian woman too um which i think does matter mm-hmm. um talking about you know how how hard it is to be a mom and how like this ideal of the perfect mom is not only not achievable but is like straight up hilarious because it's just so ridiculous Mm -hmm. it asks so much yeah yeah i think yeah i think it's 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 interesting like the the visuals of basically like her two stand-up specials the the way it like centers how pregnant she is but like it's also something that she never calls attention to like or it's not it's not like a cornerstone of her act to just be like I'm pregnant or right. whatever. It's like a... you expect her to be like, "Hey, look at me. I'm so pregnant." She doesn't even mention it in the second one. I assume mm-hmm. she mentions it in the first one cuz she talks about I think I think what's I'm not even sure if she mentions it in the in the first one because I feel like the the closest she does at the, is like at the end where she's like no, no, at the end she's like my husband trapped me. That's why I'm here. Do yeah, that's why I'm here oh. doing stand up while I'm like eight months pregnant so so it's not so she doesn't center it as like you know this is inherently like this is a funny image though i think like i think she acknowledges that it is and that's why it's like all the promotion there's like a a billboard for baby cobra or not baby hard knock wife and like of course it's like ali wong who's while like you know very pregnant again but like i mean and like the way she dresses it like she she wears um sheath dresses or like uh like tight dresses so that it's not it's not like typical maternity wear right it's yeah it's I very think, I th- it's like very tight very much emphasizes sort of like a sexy dress but like hey here's a big old pregnant belly right so i think it's, it's it's great because i think it's um yeah i think it's interesting that way it it emphasizes it's it's both like i am a mom or like to be mom in the case of our first one but also like I don't see this as like I see this as a part of my, like part of me that like I'm not going to hide. I'm going to emphasize in some ways, but like I'm not going to make it about like it's not a gimmick. It's not a gimmick. My comedy is about like eating ass and taking names, <laughs> and you know like yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be it. Like that's that's gonna be it. And like you know I'm gonna like I'm gonna talk about you know making someone who had a c-section laugh so hard that she like queefed or whatever (laughs) like but um but i think it's interesting yeah like she she talks frankly about pregnancy talks talks about like the how you know it talks about stuff like i think graphically in a way that's like both a hallmark of her humor but also just sort of like I'm not going to pretend like this is not something I think about. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to emphasize how much I love my child. Um, or I'm not even going to, like, I'm not sure if she even mentions it, but she's like, I don't feel like I have, I, sh- I have to. Like, yeah. it's not. I think she has one line where she's like, I love my baby girl and I have been with her every minute and I need to be away from her now. <laughs> 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 right, yeah, yeah, when when she's like, maybe some people like ask me like, how are you still doing stand up while you're like a mom? Well, one, she also like throws shade at like you know, men don't get asked this question. Yeah, but I think I think she's just like pushes back on this like, yeah, like I don't want I don't have, like, I don't have to answer for my child. Like my child is fine. Like, right. 
don't worry about it. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like she's definitely, it's like, I feel like she's just like completely changing the, the image for you. Like, yeah, this is your like working mom. She's like, yeah, I'm a working mom. I'm, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. I'm a stand-up comic who's like eight months pregnant, wearing a skin tight dress and like making raunchy jokes. Mm-hmm. And it's great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think I think what will be. I should try to see her. I mean, she is doing like regular shows, and so maybe I should try to see them sometimes, just so just so like it's not like this fixed like very pregnant. Image. Yeah. Like my image of her is not like the Netflix special header image, which is like, um, this very specific image. Like, though I think I think it'll be very funny if she doesn't have a third child, like. 18 months from now when her third Netflix comedy special is released. Uh. <laughs> right. Maybe she'll come out in like a fake belly and then she'll be like, surprise! Yeah, it just like rips it off. Um, yeah. So, anyway, Ali Wong. Just, Ali Wong. I just feel like it's a, a completely different view of motherhood than you like ever get. I mean, especially like from the mom's point of view, right? Mm-hmm. where she's it's it's not just the like oh i love them but they're difficult like she gets graphic yeah i think <laughs> i think like molly you mentioned like you were watching it and like from your from your like house and there, there's a window out and like a bunch of kids walked by while she's like talking about like eating ass or something and you're no no talk it's to where you. she's simulating uh trying to get dudes to eat her out Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And you're just like, I can't, like, I need to, I need to make sure. I mean, she, like, pulls up her dress, her underwear showing. It's, anyway. Oh, man. It's fun. (laughs) Don't watch it next to an open window if you think school children might walk by. Right, it's not, you know, don't screen it for your sixth grade class because school's about to let out and it doesn't matter anymore. Just, like, just find, you know, Voltron or something, I'm sure, if you have a Netflix sub. (laughs) Um, all right, so let's talk about BoJack Horseman for a minute. For a minute, yeah. So BoJack Horseman is another of those wonderful animated uh, animated shows about an alcoholic half-horse man. Just another one of those. Just another one of those who's an actor who has, who's an very fairly irredeemable, but um, who's trying to get better. Um, just like, and it's, I think it's, it has the potential to be very, like, tiring as, like, centering, you know, centering a a man who's, like, uh, kind of stuck in perpetual, like, childishness, Mm -hmm. if not for, like, its sense of humor and sense of, like, characterization extends, like, a lot of the other people in his orbit, where, like, you kind of see him, like, kind of affecting for the worst in many ways. Um, Right. Or, like, but who also have their, like, but, like, not to blame him totally because, like, everyone else has their own mess of hangups that they that they kind of swap, like, <laughs> back and forth. Like, it's, like, this cross, like, you know, cross-breeding neuroses. Um, but what's, what's notable is, like, he has basically, for the first, like, three seasons, or first two seasons, he is basically, like, the worst mother. Um, She's um, bad. Yeah, like, she's, like not only, like, unsupportive, but, like, demeaning, like, kind of verbally abusive and, like... Actively cruel. Actively, yeah. Like, she goes out of her way to make BoJack 
feel worse. Um, and like you could sort of see, like this is not a new thing. This is also when he was like, since he was a child, basically, like. And I think, um, I think like so in the third season. Is this the third season that the latest season I think or fourth season? season? The third might be the fourth season. Fourth season. Yeah. I'm like I'm like trying. I'm actually like trying to clock it. Uh, do the mental imagining by like number of like wrenching eleventh episodes that we've had. <laughs> so, um, but like the latest season as of this recording is like basically Bojack finds out that his mom's like needs is like going senile basically, and he like he desperately wants her to like get some lucidity back so he can like tell her fuck you to her face. <laughs> Like, basically, he's like, I need her to, like, get better so I can be like, fuck you and go die to her face and then, like, move on with my life. Like, he's, like, he's, like, he's appalled at his moment to tell his mom to fuck off has, like, passed. Um, So it's, like, it's already this, like, very, like, bracing premise (laughs) that, like, he's, like, brought his, he's, like, doing all this for her mom to, like, to get, I mean, which is interesting, like, to get this catharsis for, like, a lifetime of abuse, basically. Um, and, I don't know. Molly, do you want to... Well, it's just, like, have any... through the process, he also, like, learns a lot about his 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 mother. Like, how she... About her childhood and sort of... Um, mm-hmm. Like, he ha- in a weird way, like, he has to come to understand her better. And it doesn't make him forgive her mm-hmm. but i think it does make her him understand her a little better yeah. and it doesn't yeah it like doesn't excuse anything she does but like uh much in the way he's he's kind of terrible to people and he's like well my mom was terrible to me like she had some terrible stuff too in her childhood <laughs> yeah yeah uh, like or and i think and it's it's one of the like it's a hugely upsetting episode because like we in in a force we get like entire episode from her point of view as she is like in like you know she's she's and i think it's like a very like as she's dealing with dementia and like there's all these like flashbacks flash forwards we just sort of see her life and i think it's it's a very interesting and this is another thing that i almost never see in episodes it's like how do you deal with with a parent that was abusive who's like maybe unable to like who's no longer in a position to understand what they've done to you mm-hmm. or to apologize for what they've done to you like what is it you know what does forgiveness look like in that moment like how like do you owe it to i think like one of the questions like do you owe it to, like do you have to forgive them um you know, right when Bojack is like, yeah, I just this is what I want to do, and you're like, your instincts is like that's kind of messed up, but you're also sort of like, I get like I think that's his right kind of like yeah. if he was like, like emotionally abused from childhood, like he doesn't have to forgive his mom, and that when he ultimately does, it's a moment of, uh, it's a moment of grace for him, like. Um, it's not, like, something that he's supposed to do. It's something that he, like, has arrived at and has decided, like, this is something I can allow myself to do. And the only way I can allow myself to do this is to sort of acknowledge acknowledge that my mom had her own share of traumas, not to 
not to diminish the own abuse I suffered, but to try to uh, almost try to move past it on some level mm-hmm. as well. Um, I mean, in a way, like what BoJack Horseman is about is sort of like the way that we absorb and then revisit trauma on others. And mm-hmm. I feel like him sort of coming to understand that is almost him sort of, I mean, I never want to predict that BoJack Horseman's going to suddenly like, he's, he's on the up and up now and he's getting better and everything's improving. We, cause that's we have been saying this for a long time. <laughs> but I think, um, I think like recognizing that that's, um, that that's something that has been part of his family, like forever that it's mm-hmm. been you know traumas that th- that these people are absorbing and then just revisiting on each other and nobody is actually like working through um and so i think i don't know to me that's kind of what that was about like mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i agree like i think um maybe maybe it'll make bojack think a little bit more about like the ways that he puts out things into the world around him. <laughs> the energy he's releasing into the world. Because, because the whole season, that whole season is like Bojack finding out that he, he supposedly has a daughter um, and trying to figure out who, and like trying to father this daughter who's like randomly visits him um, while also being like concerned because I think like one of the, one of a really difficult line in the series is like when his mother tells him that's just like you just inherited something broken like you're bro- i'm broken inside you're broken inside you're never going to be able to fix it yep um which is c- pretty tough to like <laughs> unload on someone um but he also has this like realization when like he realizes that his daughter um is suffering from like anxiety and depression basically and she's just like will it ever get better and he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it will. <laughs> um, oh my god! What a I, brutal show! What a brutal show! I'm just, like, I mean, thinking and, and, about it, like for sure. Oh my god! And then like, I think what's fascinating to me though is like the the end of that season, um, and like kind of spoilers for the end of BoJack Horseman season four. Um, he finds out that she's not his daughter; she's more like his she's a sister. sister, like his very like due to, like, his father had an affair with someone else, and, like, she's technically his sister instead. And I think there's this moment where um, he acknowledges that he's a bad dad, but he could be a good brother, but I think there's also a lot of bittersweetness in that moment because this was his chance to, like, be a good father. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, this was his chance to, like, prove that, like, these things that were passed to him, he did not need to pass on to her. Like, this was his moment to, like, break that chain of, like, suffering. And now, like, that responsibility has been lifted from him in a genetic... Like, in in this, like, familial sense. Like, he's no longer her, like, you know, bio dad. Like, she has, like, seven adoptive gay dads. So she's, like... Right? Like, so she's not necessarily, like, lacking for father figures. She has, like, so many father figures. But... Like, he, like, he kind of feels, in his, because he's very self-absorbed in his own way, like, he kind of feels like he needs to, like, be that also for her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but anyways, but, but I think it's, it's a, I love BoJack Horseman a lot, and I think it, it does successfully, I mean, it's a very tough show, but I think at least, um, and I know that there's a lot of criticism for it, for, like, BoJack never kind of growing up, and, like, kind of pre- allowing, like, 
produ- re- reproducing this lo- lotus of like locus of like male misery or whatever like or like allow like i don't know like yeah. producing like a, a filmic excuse for like being the asshole who like never grows up but i feel like the show's very hard on him um but i but i feel like it's definitely more successful than like uh rick and morty or something where like your your locus of male unpleasantness is also like the smartest guy in the world and like whatever yeah bojack's um, i mean the thing about bojack right is that he's like fundamentally mediocre yeah which i it's not I think is great. Like he, he like happened to be on a popular TV show, but like yeah. he's not talented. He's not smart. <laughs> he's not, <laughs> right, like, right. Good at anything. He he like definitely lucked, kind of lucked into it, and he holds a lot of resentment over like kind of being told that, or like kind of recognizing, yeah. that. realizing. Yeah. Um, um, because like I think that's a, his problem with uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is also like he kind of did the same like he's he's kind of a reflection of how it's not him it's the industry really that like selects successes mm-hmm. um but but are we we should we should we should probably wrap up although okay. that did what you were talking about does remind me I'm, I'm not going to get into it but there's um on the latest season of crazy ex-girlfriend there's a song um where she is like spending more time with her mother and and she's like you know maybe coming around to like not hate her mother completely uh-huh. <laughs> and the song is called maybe she's not such a heinous bitch after all or something like that. <laughs> um, uh-huh. it's, it's quite good and then there's also the song at the end of the season um that's uh nothing is ever anybody's fault where basically just the characters are like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm horrible, but it's because my dad was horrible to me. And, you know, my dad was horrible because his dad was horrible to him. Like, nothing's ever anybody's fault. Like, nobody has to take responsibility <laughs> for anything. Oh, God. Uh, which is also very good. Anyway. Um, God, what a, sh- what a show. God. Such a good show. Um, all right. So, do we want to do our usual little thing? We don't have much. Yeah, let's, let's okay. do it Maybe real... just say, like, one thing. Okay. Uh, I'll say I've been playing a lot of Wizard of Legend, which is like a video game where you are in control of all five elements. You are the avatar. um, And you're like trying to best this like wizard trial by like three, four like elemental masters. Um, So I think it's it's pretty fun. Um, I think it it captures like the whole like avatar fantasy of like throwing rocks and like lightning bolts and fire everywhere. Yeah. so I've enjoyed that. Also, I've been watching Westworld. We're going to have a Westworld episode at some point. Yeah, I'm all caught up now. Okay. Yeah, Molly. We'll do our Android episode. I'll get Ilana on board. Finally. Uh, and okay, cool. I also have been watching Westworld. So that's yeah. why I'm caught up. Um, <laughs> I just read a book that I'm trying to remember the name of. Oh no, I just read um, Carmen Maria Machado's uh, "Her Body and Other Por- Parties." Ah. Uh, okay. Um, which I thought was very good. I didn't love the whole thing, like, all the way through. I'm not a short story person, really. Yeah, um, a lot. Not a, okay. But there were some that I really, really loved. And weirdly, there's one that's about uh, Law & Order SVU that I think is just phenomenal. It is, like, unlike <laughs> anything I've ever read. I am obsessed with it. Um, uh-huh. And, okay, just one other thing. I also finished watching Elementary Season 5 yesterday. I was super, super behind on it. It's still a good show. 
How many seasons are they on now? I think they're on season six now. Okay. But um, cool. Yeah, it was, it's still it's still a pretty good show. Like it's just solid week round, like every week. Oh, I have to. I'll get my library card because I've been meaning to read her body and other stories um, forever, and I think like it's time for me to get a library card so I can like check things out from the library and not like spend four hundred dollars. It's a good for a idea. It's a good for a idea. second. All right. Yep, thanks for sticking with us All right. on this slightly longer than usual episode. We just uh, got so much to say in, about moms. Yeah, tune in next week for Moms Part 3. No. No, just no kidding. Moms. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure we've got moms. dads coming up, but maybe we can do something else next we'll, week. We'll, we'll take a break from parents, from, from difficult familial figures <laughs> and uh, come back to it later. Um. All right, so I think that's it. Uh, as usual, follow us on Twitter at StoryGetsCast. You can follow me at, at the Molly Jean. That's the M O L L Y J E A N N E. And you can follow me, Alice Lai, on uh, Alonculus, which is at A L O N K U L O U S. All right, and um, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions, comments, etc., let me let me know directly or email it to the thing. Email it to the... StoryGutsCast at Gmail. Yeah. Um, um, all right. So, yeah, this has been StoryGuts. I'm Molly Curran. And I'm Alice Lai. And stay hungry. Well, I'm all right.